Good morning, Keystone. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Go Bengals, right? I'm just kidding. I don't really care. Uh, I hope for a good game. That's really all. Uh, my, my grandpa had a tradition for each of his grandchildren growing up that uh, when we were old enough to go out deer hunting, he would buy us our first rifle, uh, a two forty-three, for Christmas that year. But we all kind of knew that it was coming. And so part of the tradition was he would uh, in some ways try to play like a practical joke on us first. And so I can remember when my older brother uh, turned old enough to go hunting and it was his turn. And my grandpa gave him a box that was about the size of a 243 wrapped. Uh, and he opened it up and, and on the cover of the box actually was a, a picture of this hunting rifle. Uh, and he opened up the box and inside, what he found instead was simply a block of wood that my grandpa had taken the time to carve into the shape of a rifle. Uh, and then my grandpa, of course, tried to play it off like, uh, this is a rifle. This is what you got. This is what you were expecting, right? And my brother was not impressed. Uh, he sat there waiting, thinking, okay, where's, where's the real thing? Where's the real deal? Uh, until my grandpa went and got the rifle and gave it to him. See, my, my brother knew, and I would say we all knew sitting there, this truth. It is absolutely pointless to try to go hunting with a block of wood carved as a rifle. That he could go sit in the woods, he could go get in his tree stand, he could watch lots of deer walk by, but there was no chance that he was ever going to take a deer down with a block of wood shaped like a rifle, right? That's obvious. We know that. Is it just as obvious to us that when it comes to living as Christians, to growing, to loving God, to ministering to others, that we are entirely helpless to do that apart from the Holy Spirit? Because if we think that we can know, love, and obey Jesus and lead others to do the same, kind of like what you were talking about last week. Without the power of the Spirit in us and at work through us, it's equivalent to us thinking we can go out in the woods and take down a deer with a block of wood. And yet I think we fail to see sometimes how great a gift the Spirit is to us, in part because we fail to see how great our need is, how inadequate we are on our own. And, and as we kind of conclude this series this morning on transitions, I just want us to think about it. If we want to be a God-glorifying, a, a Bible-saturated, prayer-dependent, gospel-centered, mission-minded church, what we've been talking about for this whole series, then it is absolutely necessary for us to be a spirit-led church. There's no other way any of that will happen in or among us apart from God's Holy Spirit. We're, we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2 this morning. And as we look at this, my, my hope is that uh, as we read Paul's words, as we read God's words that he spoke, that we would see Again, just how weak we are in our own strength 
and yet just how great the power is that's available to us in the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we might lean more on his power and his presence in our lives to accomplish what we can. I think what we've been saying the whole time, this idea of our our transitions and changes, give us opportunity to evaluate things. And one of the questions our transitions and changes uh, provide us the opportunity to ask is this. Are we relying on our own power? Or are we relying on the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit? And, And I hope this morning that we would see the more we see our powerlessness, our lack of power, the more we would lean on the Spirit's power to work in us. Perhaps one of the biggest transitions we can find in the Bible is when Jesus leaves this earth, ascends back into heaven, and then leaves his stumbling, bumbling disciples down through the ages to carry out his mission here on earth. And yet one of the most fascinating things we find Jesus saying before he leaves in John is, it's better if I go away because if I don't, you won't get my spirit. But if I leave, I'll send my spirit to work in you. That it's better for Jesus to leave and for us to have the spirit right now. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, I think, is continuing to say this as he points out to the Corinthians their weakness and yet the power that's available to them through the Holy Spirit. So let's read 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to read the whole chapter and then kind of do a flyover this morning of this chapter. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know among you nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, we read a passage like this, and I think there's lots in here that can be confusing. 
Perhaps lots of times we come to your word and we read it and, and we think, I, I don't understand it all. I, I can't make sense of it all. I can't see what I need to see, which should just be one more reminder of how much we need your spirit to help us see, to help us feel, to help us live with your power. God, we don't want us gathering together on a Sunday to simply be going through a ritual or or gaining more information. We want to meet you. We want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. And there is no other way for that to happen than for your Holy Spirit to work in us and among us. And so I pray that you do that this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot in a passage like that. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it is even at times hard to understand exactly what, what Paul is saying. And we could get down in the weeds in a lot of ways. And, and so really this morning, we're just going to do more of a flyover of this passage, like I said, to see some of the highlights, hopefully, to see why the Spirit is so important for us and some of what he's doing in us and among us. And first of all, we might see this, which shows up not just in these verses, but I think all across 1st and 2nd Corinthians. The Spirit demonstrates his power in our weakness. One of the problems that Paul is addressing in the Corinthian church is that they become so infatuated with human power, human demonstrations of power. What the world around them says is impressive and powerful which in their day was people who would come through the city of Corinth and have these charismatic, dynamic personalities and be able to give these incredible speeches that would sway people's emotions and and impress people and get them to follow after. And part of what's even happening in the Corinthian church is they're jostling for position amongst each other based on who they think is the most powerful and the most wise among them. And Paul's writing and telling them, wait a second, you guys have it all mixed up. You, you have it all mixed up. God works through what is weak. And so we could look even in chapter one as Paul's leading up to chapter two and he's saying, well, God works through a message that is weak. Like that sounds weak. A, a God who comes and then is crucified for people. And, and God does that to save weak people. And so Paul essentially tells the Corinthians at the end of chapter one, like, none of you were impressive. That's not why God saved you. He saved what is weak to demonstrate his power. And then in verses one through five in chapter two, we see Paul saying, he did it through a weak messenger like me. Because Paul's saying, well, remember, when I came to you, it wasn't that I had a great speech. It wasn't that I was so charismatic. I, I simply tried to proclaim that Jesus died for your sins. And remember, I was weak. I was trembling. Like, I was overwhelmed amongst you guys. There there was nothing about me that you should listen to me, and yet it was a demonstration of God's power and his spirit at work that some of you believed and that there was a church planted here. We see God most clearly displays his power in our weakness. And I would say that's, as I think about that, that's both challenging and encouraging. It's challenging because none of us wants to be weak or appear weak. Like we want other people to see us as strong. We want other people to see us as put together, as if we have things figured out. 
And so to admit we are weak and needy doesn't come naturally. We try to avoid that. And yet it's encouraging because Paul's saying it's as we acknowledge and admit our weakness and call out for God to work that we see his power and his spirit work in us and among us. I think we might think about it in this way, that God is always powerful. Like it's not as if God can only use us when we're feeling weak and overwhelmed. But it's in weakness that God's power ends up being most clearly displayed for everyone to see. You might say a firework is powerful, whether it's set off at 9 o'clock a.m. or 9 o'clock p.m. But we set it off at 9 o'clock p.m. most often. Why? Because it's in the face of darkness that the beauty and power of a firework is most fully on display. And it's in our weakness when we think, I can't do this. This is too much. That then God's beauty and power gets most fully put on display for us to see and for other people to see. I think as the difficulties of life hit us, as God takes us into places that feel overwhelming, spaces that seem too much, seasons that make us feel like, how are we going to do this? That is a place as God makes us feel weak that then we might call out for his spirit more and more and more and see his power at work in us. Because Weakness is an opportunity to see God's spirit at work. And and this wasn't just the case for Paul when he first showed up and spoke to the Corinthians. This was throughout all his life, I would say, that he saw this. That weakness became an opportunity for Paul to see the spirit at work. Because in 2 Corinthians, he's going to write these famous words that maybe you're familiar with. As he's talking about a difficulty God brought into his life, a thorn in the flesh, he says. And and he talks about it in this way. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong? Why? Because Christ's power rests on me, Paul says. How? Through the Holy Spirit. That when Paul talks about Christ's power or God's power, he's often saying the exact same thing as when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Paul can't talk about the Spirit without talking about power and vice versa. Weakness in our lives becomes an opportunity to experience the power of the Spirit at work in us. We we have at our house a propane fireplace. I guess some of you have a fireplace in your house as well, whether propane or wood or some other sort of fireplace. And that fireplace never gets turned on over the summer. In fact, I I kind of forget that it even exists. I walk past it. And it's probably true for you too. If you've got a fireplace in your house, you never touch it over the summer. Why? Because it's 70, 80, 90 degrees outside. You don't need any more heat in your house in that moment. You don't turn it on. 
But as soon as it starts to get below 50, 40, 30 degrees, all of a sudden, I wake up in the morning or when I get home, the first thing I think is I can't wait to turn on that fireplace and experience some heat right now. See, the, the cold provides the opportunity for me to see just how much I need the heat of that fireplace. Weakness in our lives provides us the opportunity to remember just how much we need God's spirit to work in us and to work through us. If we want to see real spiritual change happen, we want to really grow, we want to really see other people transformed, then one of the greatest things we can do is to admit we're weak, we can't do it on our own, and yet God can through his spirit and to call out for his help. I mean, one of the things that's probably most dangerous for me, for you, if you're a Christian, is to think that we can go throughout this life and handle it in our own power because we'll end up missing out on where the power really lies, in God's spirit. And I think, I think of this too. I don't, I don't like this even as I say it, but I believe it's true. That anything in our lives, any difficulty, any struggle, any uh, season God takes us through that just makes us feel overwhelmed is actually a gift because it reminds us of just how much we need God and his spirit and his power at work in us. And all of a sudden, when we think that way, we might see weakness as an opportunity, not simply as a hindrance, but as an opportunity to see God work in and through us. I I would say for us to be spirit-led means mainly for us to simply recognize where does the power lie? Not in me, not in you, but in God's spirit who is in us through faith. That God through his spirit does what we can't do, which is Paul, what Paul's going to continue to point out in verses 6 through 13. I would summarize these verses, and this is where we're really just going to kind of fly over and highlight one or two in here. But I'd summarize it in this way. The spirit has the power to make the truth sing. In verses 6 through 13, Paul is pointing out that we have the need for the Spirit to help us see and believe the truth. That without the Spirit, we don't see what we need to see or believe what we need to believe. And and then he's kind of saying, there's a wisdom and a truth that he teaches and that Christians grow in, and that's always connected to the gospel. That any type of wisdom, truth we grow in is always connected in some way to Jesus and him crucified. Always should point back to the gospel. And, and these words that Paul includes in this, these verses of mature and spiritual is not saying that there's some super Christians, but simply saying anyone who recognizes the need for Christ, the need for the gospel is mature and spiritual. And then he says in verse 10, these things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So the only reason anyone ever believes the truth of the gospel, the only reason anyone ever believes that they are a sinner and that Jesus died to save them and they need that is because the Spirit opens our eyes and ears to see and hear that. D.A. Carson puts it this way, If we see the truth of the gospel, therefore, it has nothing to do with our brilliance or insight, and it has 
to do with the Spirit of God. I think that's incredibly offensive to all human ability. For Paul to say, for God to say through Paul, what we need to see and believe, what's most important for us, we can't see, apart from God's Spirit opening our eyes. And that's incredibly exalting to the Spirit's power. That he can take people who are blind and deaf and clueless and make them cherish and see the beauty of Jesus and him crucified for us. Apart from the Spirit, we are blind, clueless, and deaf to see the truth. There's a, there's a movie that came out this past year called Coda. And, and it's a movie that tells the story of uh, a teenage girl who is part of a family that everyone else in her family is deaf. Her brother, or her brother and her parents, all deaf. And we find out throughout the movie that this girl has this incredibly beautiful voice. Like the type of voice that you listen to it and you just want to keep listening to it because of how incredible she can sing. And there's this one really powerful scene in the movie where her parents and her brother come to one of her concerts. And this girl gets up and she starts to sing. And again, it's just this most incredible sound. And you just want to keep listening. And you're just taking it in. And all of a sudden, the, the camera shifts and you've got the parents' view from the crowd. And everything goes quiet. And it's just quiet for a minute. And you see her lips moving and you see people amazed and yet you get the perspective of her parents that they can't hear the beauty of what's taking place in front of them. I see that, I think. That's an image of what all of us are like apart from God's spirit working in us. That we might hear things about God, we might hear things about Jesus, but unless he opens our ears, we don't see the incredible beauty of it. We don't hear the incredible beauty of it and we just miss it and keep going about our lives. There's a a constant danger, I think, for Christians, if you're a Christian, that we might become puffed up and prideful based on what we know about God or the Bible or the gospel. And when that happens, if that happens in us, which it probably does sooner or later, it shows we don't know as much as we think we know. Because everything that we see, every truth that we hold to that's important to us has only been shown to us by God's spirit. And there's no other reason for us to ever look down on non-Christians and think, man, What's wrong with you? Why don't you get it? Or other Christians and think, well, why are you you missing this? Because we can only say the Spirit has opened our eyes to see what we couldn't see. We might put it this way. the, The Spirit makes sweet what used to be bitter in our lives. Like the Holy Spirit takes what we used to think was foolish. A person nailed to a cross, a God nailed to a cross, And he makes that the sweetest thing in our lives. So we say, that's where my hope is found and nowhere else. And he does it over and over and over again throughout our lives. That anytime we see more of our sin and we see more of our need for God's grace, it's because the spirit is opening our eyes. Anytime we see more of who Jesus is and how great he is, it's because the spirit is opening our eyes. 
Anytime we see more of God and what he's like, it's because the Spirit is opening our eyes. And I would guess there's maybe even an example in your own life where you could point to and see that happen. I think of an example from my life of there was a time where I used to bristle against and not like the idea that God is absolutely sovereign over everything. I mean everything. Like suffering, people coming to Christ, every single aspect in our lives that God plans it, carries it out, brings it about, or whatever word you want, that he is completely involved in it. Like there was a time, even when I was a Christian, where I was like, I don't like that. That does not sound good. Today, I would say that's one of the sweetest truths that I can believe. And I don't know that I would be a pastor if I didn't believe that. How'd that happen? Because I went to a certain class at Bible college? Because I had friends who kind of pushed me on that? Because I sat under Pastor Keith's preaching for the past eight years? Because I read the book of Romans? No, because God's spirit took something that I thought was bitter and showed me this is sweet and this is powerful. And he used all those previous things to do that, but he did it. When we see that, I think that should lead us to see again and again, God, open our eyes. Help us to see what we need to see. Help us take what we think might be bitter and help us see how sweet it is. Change us, change our view of God. And then along with that, we could say this, that the Spirit gives us firsthand knowledge of God. Paul, in in verses 11 through 12, says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might freely understand or might understand the things freely given us by God. I think it's helpful to point out a subtle but really important distinction here. We can gain a lot of secondhand knowledge about God from other people. Through reading books, through podcasts, through listening to sermons, through hearing other people talk about God. But if we want firsthand personal knowledge of God who he is to us, that only comes through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Stephen Um comments on this passage and he says, this is why God sends his spirit. Informational knowing is not the same as personal knowing. And it's only by God's spirit that we gain that type of personal knowing. We, we know this when it comes to other areas of life, that informational is not the same as personal. I think about last night, I was watching the Olympics. You guys have probably watched the Winter Olympics over the past week. And last night they had on, uh, first of all, skeleton, I think is what it's called. It's whichever one that you're going down face first, down the ice. I'm watching that, like think how crazy this is. They're going 60, 70 miles an hour, sliding down ice face first, as if a helmet and goggles is gonna save them if they get in an accident. And, and I, I watch that and I grasp it and I understand what's happening. How much different is it to put yourself on a sled and to go down that track and to be going 60, 70 miles an hour, to feel the adrenaline, to know that like you've got to make every turn perfectly or you're going to crash in the ice. How much different is that than me sitting on my couch and saying, oh, that's interesting. 
That's the type of different between, difference between us just gaining facts about God and actually having firsthand, personal, experiential knowledge of him. And it's the spirit who works to take facts, information, and make that firsthand knowledge of God. Like that, if we believe that, that should change how we approach the Bible. That should change how we approach a Sunday morning. That should change how we approach opening a Christian book, turning on a podcast, same thing, where, where there should be this moment where we're thinking, I don't want just more facts. I want God. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me have firsthand personal knowledge of him here. If we want that, we should be praying, Spirit, open my eyes, help me to see, help me to know God, help me to have this type of firsthand encounter, not just more facts that I might add in my mind. And as we do, as we lean on him and see him at work, then we might also see him guiding us, that the Spirit has the power to guide our lives. In verses verses 14 through 16, Paul says the natural person or the person without the spirit cannot accept things of the spirit of God or understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Part of what Paul seems to be saying here is that the natural person, someone without the Holy Spirit, can't make judgments on what God is doing in this world. But then in verse 15, pointing out, okay, but the person with the spirit can make those type of judgments. Or here's, here's how we might put it, that I think is a little bit easier to understand. The Spirit helps us to see what God is doing in the world. Helps us to understand what's going on. That, that as we go throughout our days, as we run into people, that it's only the Holy Spirit that helps us to see a little bit of what God's doing. And that without him, we entirely miss what God is doing, how he's at work, how he's working in different people, how he wants to use us. In fact, Paul ups the ante here, I think, in verse 16 and says this statement about us having the spirit of God. If we have the spirit, he says, we have the mind of Christ. Just think about that for a moment. That through the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. That the spirit helps us to see the world with Christ's mind helps us to see people, circumstances, things that happen with the eyes and the mind and the heart of Christ. Like, do you want that? Do I I want that to be able to see other people with Christ's eyes, through his mind, with his heart? Paul's saying it's through the Holy Spirit that that happens, that we get that type of access. I watch football throughout the season like many of you do probably. And sometimes I'll watch a game on CBS. And when I do, I listen to Tony Romo. And I know I'm stepping on like delicate waters here because he's a cowboy and we're Eagles territory. But when I listen to him comment on a game, he sees things that I could never see. Like he, maybe you've heard this before even, he looks at a play before it even happens and is able to tell you exactly what type of defense they're using. Right? Like it, it's a, a cover three zone with a safety over the top on the left-hand side, uh, and the linebackers are about to drop back in coverage. And then it can predict what the offense is going to do in response. So they're going to do a power run to the right. 
and then it happens often. I think, what if you heard me commenting on a football game? Uh, there, there's 11 guys on the offense. There's 11 guys on the defense. They're, they're about to hike the ball, and, and they're going to pass it or run it. See, Tony Romo, because he has the mind of a quarterback, can see things that I could never see. God is saying, or Paul is saying in this passage, God sees things that we could never see because he's got the mind of God. And yet it's through his spirit that then he opens our eyes to actually see the world in a different way, to see people in a different way, to love people, to care for people, to encourage people, to get a glimpse of what he's doing and how he wants to use us in the midst of it all. And so we, we should look to the spirit to guide us moment by moment, day by day, recognizing I can't see what I need to see on my own. But Spirit, you can open my eyes, you can guide me, you can help me. Well, what does that look like for us? I think it's just in some ways a moment by moment recognition that I need the Holy Spirit. He can guide me to see things that I can't see in my own power. And so I'm going to call out to him. That as as we walk through the church doors on Sunday morning, it might look like God, help me to see the other people at Keystone as you want me to see them. Help me to see who you might want me to talk to, who you might want me to encourage. Give give me the words that you might want me to use. As we walk into work on Monday morning, it might be simply a, God, show me who you want me to linger around a little bit more and have a conversation with and how you might have me encourage them, build them up as we come home into our houses at the end of the day, it might look like, God, help me to love my family well, to guide me. I, I can't do this apart from your help. That as we walk into a difficult conversation, it might look like, Spirit, help me to have the words to say it and the way to say it that might be beneficial in this conversation I'm about to enter in. As we face things in life that make us impatient, frustrated, circumstances that we don't expect, it might look like, God, help me to see what you're doing here. Spirit, open my eyes. Guide me in the midst of this. See, I think we think about the Holy Spirit guiding us. Sometimes I think that only applies to the big decisions, the big changes, the big transitions. And that's absolutely true. But it just as much applies to the kind of small, day-by-day mundane things happening in our lives. And to recognize our weakness and the Spirit's power is to call out and say, Holy Spirit, help me, guide me, Help me to see what I need to see. Open my eyes to what you're doing and to how you might want to use me. And then give me the mind of Christ. Part of what Paul's getting at in this passage, let's say, and what the whole New Testament is pointing out is that the Spirit loves to shine a spotlight on Jesus, loves to direct our eyes to Jesus. And so as we seek to know, love, and obey Jesus, We have a spirit who loves to do that in and through us. And as we seek to help other people know, love, and obey Jesus, we have a Holy Spirit who loves to empower us as that happens. God loves to do what we can't do. Do you believe that? God loves to do what we can't do. That that's what he does in the gospel. Coming to live, die, and be raised to save us doing what we can't do. And that's what he does when he offers us his spirit, working in us and through us and among us, accomplishing what we can't do on our own and simply calling us, recognize how weak we are and call out to the spirit for power.
As we wrap up this series, wrap up this morning, here's what I want to leave us with. The story of the church is the story of the Holy Spirit. I, I had a church history class where the professor loved to say kind of that line differently. They love to say, church history is the story of the Holy Spirit. And it was kind of his motivation to be like, here's why we should study church history, because we get to see how the Holy Spirit is at work throughout history. But we might also think about the continuing, ongoing story of the church is the story of the Holy Spirit at work in in and amongst us. And that he often works in some of the ways we least expect. And maybe he's doing that even in your own life right now working in ways you never expected. And he often uses some of the people that we least expect. And again, maybe he's doing that even now, directing you, guiding you to do something in your life that you never expected he was going to use you to do. But I also just want us to think about it as a church for a moment. That that if we say, started the series in this way, and Keith has said this before, but if we say, we hope and we believe the best days for Keystone are ahead. That I hope that means we believe that we're gonna see or that we want to see, that we're gonna call out to see God's spirit continue to work powerfully in us and amongst us. And that then one day we might look back just as we can even now perhaps in Keystone's history and see story after story of God transforming people changing people, working powerfully, and us simply being able to say, God did what we couldn't do, and isn't he awesome? Isn't he awesome? And if that's what we're longing for, that there might be an expectation and excitement and hunger to see God's spirit work among us that translates into us calling out for him over and over and over again, Spirit, please do what we can't do. Use us, work among us, accomplish incredible things for your glory. That that we might have our hope in the words that God said to Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge We are weak in and of ourselves. We cannot do what you call us to do. We cannot change ourselves as much as we might try with our own strategies. We cannot make ourselves love Christ more, become more like him. But you can, and that's why you've given us your spirit. And so God, we pray that among us, in us as a church and as a people, your spirit would work reminding us that we are weak, but you are strong. And over and over again, prompting us to call out for your help, your guidance, your power to work among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.